I am so ready to talk about this shit. And welcome to another episode of Audie's Oddities. My name is Audie, and today we are talking about Tamala Horsford. I have been waiting to talk about her. This is very close to home to me. Literally, this crime happened a few hours from where I live. I am ready to talk about this. Our victim is Tamala. She was a 40 year old mother of five. God bless you. I don't know how you do that. She was truly kind and a free spirit and just a really loving person. Her whole community loved her. Like, what is that like for just a bunch of people to actually love you? On November 3rd, 2018, Tamala arrived at a slumber party. You're probably thinking, aren't you a little bit old for a slumber party? Let me explain. This story is always told as this woman being at a slumber party. And it wasn't that. It was a night of drinking that turned into nobody has a ride home, so we're just going to stay here. This wasn't like a everybody grab your pajamas and popcorn and favorite movie and let's hang out and tell spooky stories. This was a everyone get together, have some adult time, and then everybody got too messed up. So the party was at Janine Meyer's house. Let's also keep in mind that Janine's boyfriend, Jose, is a court officer. This is very important information for later. Just remember that. So when Tamala got to the party, she did notice one sort of suspicious thing. And that was she was the only person of color there. But she pushed past that anxiety and continued to have a couple drinks, watch football, and play Cards Against Humanity with everybody else. Now, according to witnesses, Tamala got up at 2 a.m. to go smoke a cigarette on the back porch balcony. The next morning at 7.30 a.m., the homeowner's aunt found Tamala lying face down, motionless, underneath the porch. So by 9 a.m., Jose, the homeowner's boyfriend, is calling 911. He's describing her as laying face down and not breathing, and he's bringing a lot of attention to this small cut on her wrist. He specifically is suggesting that it was self-inflicted and telling the operator that she was drinking a lot the night before. You can also hear a woman's voice in the background of the 911 call, kind of speculating that Tamala might have fallen off the balcony. Now here's where I did my personal deep dive. So this 911 call is available on YouTube to listen to. There is so much that goes on in this. The 911 call actually starts with Janine on the phone instead of Jose, but she does quickly turn the call over to Jose, but not before hearing some women in the background. You can distinctly hear a woman in the background say something like, he felt on my butt and I was like, ooh, first off, oh my God, what a fucking conversation to be having around a dead body. Second off, what a conversation to be having around people in general. And what's even scarier is that everyone is calling it a dead body. Nobody's thinking that she's okay and an ambulance is just on the way. So Jose starts telling the operator kind of the story of last night, rather than caring about the dead body on his lawn. He needs to make sure that his alibi is good. He's saying that they had people over the night before, that people were drinking, but he says that everybody went to bed pretty early, except for one of them, aka Tamala, was out on the balcony drinking. He says the next thing that everyone knows, everyone walks outside and she's laying face down in the backyard. And I'm just like, what do you mean the next thing you know? How does nobody notice that? I don't care how tired you are. I'm going to hear a body hitting the ground like that. 
He says, it looks like I'm guessing maybe she fell off the balcony. At this point, the operator is asking him, are you sure she's dead? Like, can you check for signs of life, please? And the amount of times that she tries to interrupt him to tell him to go check on this woman is astonishing. Like, if I was this 911 operator, I would immediately be like, sir, sir, I need you to shut the fuck up and go check this woman's well-being. I don't give a damn about your story and alibi right now. They asked Tamala's age and they're way too quick to tell it. As somebody who struggles and stumbles over my own age when asked, I definitely don't know my friend's ages off the top of my head like that. Especially considering during this 911 call, he makes sure to tell her that they weren't very close with Tamala. So we get to a point where the operator asks Jose to touch her, to verify that there are no signs of life. And then it cuts out for a whole minute because I'm assuming whatever was said on the call was very graphic and shouldn't be heard, which I do appreciate. And when it cuts back, we're just immediately talking about the possibility of suicide, which makes me believe that part of what was cut out was him telling the operator about the cuts on her wrist. But something about that cut that we learn later in the autopsy is that it was cauterized, meaning it happened after her death. He also makes a point to tell us that she was the last person he saw before going to bed. Now the operator is asking how far is the balcony from the ground, and he's estimating about 20 feet off the ground. If you were standing on the railing, basically saying that you would have to swan dive to get far enough away from the railing to get to where she landed. I'm sorry, sir. I don't think that she was performing Swan Lake before she died. He also tells us at some point that his girlfriend has cameras on the back deck, but yet that footage is never talked about or released or anything. And now he's starting to claim that it's hard to tell if she fell from the balcony or if she just fell outside. Once again, was she swan diving into the grass or not? Because I don't understand how you would get those injuries from just tripping. And now magically he's been like teleported back upstairs to the balcony and is saying that there's a cigarette and a lighter on the balcony. And then there's all this back and talk forth about how four people had just left the party. And I'm not talking like left the night before. No, knowingly knew about this woman's dead body and left. And at this point, police arrive at the house. So the 911 call cuts off. But I need to add that at some point in this call, he is apparently touching the body of a dead woman and is so nonchalant about it. There is not an ounce of emotion in this man's voice this entire 911 call, which is already a huge red flag. To me, the 911 call sounded like when children get in trouble and they know that they're in trouble and they're trying to hide it. So the police arrive at 9.07 that morning. And the body laid in that grass for two hours after the police arrived because they had to wait on the coroner. Bullshit. We should respect bodies more. Autopsy showed multiple blunt force wounds and a very high alcohol blood level. They suspected that she fell about 14 feet to her death. Keep in mind, this balcony does not look 14 feet tall. At the request of the family, a second autopsy was done. And according to medical examiner's report... Tamala sustained severe injuries to her head, neck, and torso. They also discovered cuts on her face, wrist, hand, lower legs, as well as a laceration to the right ventricle of her heart. The toxicology screening also found a blood alcohol level 
of 0.238, which is almost three times the legal driving limit. THC and Xanax were also found in her system. And only one woman at that party was prescribed Xanax and denies selling it. But her text messages say otherwise. Because on November 4th, the morning after Tamala's death, another friend from the party texted her saying, I hate to ask, but can I please get more meds? It really helped me. She denies giving it to Tamala though, since they weren't close friends and she had already been drinking. The internet started roaring about how this was foul play. From the 911 calls to the evidence given to her autopsy not matching up with the position that the body was found in. And only two months after Tamala's death, the Forsyth County Court fired Jose. At the time, he was a court officer, but he ended up accessing the incident port internally on multiple occasions while on the job. Why you need to be looking at her report, Jose? It's also believed that he more than likely moved the body on that 911 call. In photos of her body, her right arm was next to her body, while her left arm was extended and bent at the elbow. However, statements from Jose and the homeowner recall Tamala being found with both arms at her side. So did somebody move her left arm? Maybe when he checked for vitals? According to a supplement report, Jose admitted to moving her body in a call with a man named Andy Colleen. So basically, this report lets us know that Jose called Andy when he discovered the body, and Andy told him to check her arm for a pulse. So Andy has testified to the fact that Jose definitely moved her arm. However, in an interview with Special Agent Derek, Jose denied moving Tamala's arm. And when he was confronted with the report, he called it, quote, bullshit, denying that he ever told Andy that he moved her arm. He insisted that there was no way that he checked for a pulse, even though we can hear him check for a pulse on the 911 call. And unfortunately, Joseph had a very big reputation for lying. And calls between Jose and Andy prior to the 911 call suspect that Andy had helped partygoers come up with some kind of story. So there was a lot going wrong on the inside because now we have Mike Christian, who's also kind of a piece of shit. He was working for the police department, but resigned after internal affairs investigation led to allegations that Christian sent multiple women confidential information about his cases. As part of their investigation, GBI spoke to two women who claimed that they have been sent details and in one case, photos of Tamala's case. And in these messages, he refers to Tamala as, quote-unquote, the porch lady. Sir, if I can't call you a donut-eating cop, you don't get to call a dead woman the porch lady. She has a name, and it's Tamala. And if you're gonna be that obsessed with her, you might as well learn the name. He also didn't hesitate to share the results of her toxicology report and his suspicions that the body had been moved. A third woman interviewed by the GI claimed that Christian sent her a photo of Tamala's body at the crime scene and that she remembered that for whatever reason, Christian was kind of obsessed with the case to the point of having panic attacks about it. According to his ex-girlfriend, Christian told her that he believed that the death was an accident, but doubted that Tamala fell from the balcony just based on the injuries. And now we have three separate screenshots of the Snapchat messages that Christian sent to his girlfriends. In one message that was sent November 4th, the day after Tamala's death. Christian is basically joking with his friend about having to notify Tamala's husband and children about her death. Sending, quote unquote, hello, sir. I know you've never met me, 
But I'm here to tell you that your wife and the mother of your five children is dead. Oh, yes, I am happy to report that she was really, really drunk, landed face down in the backyard. I know you have fun memories. Enjoy corralling those six boys who are now going apeshit. First off, how dare you? Literally, this family just lost their mother and a husband just lost his wife. And you're going to stand there and condemn him for having five sons who he has to take care of, who are obviously going to be going through a lot of emotions, considering their mother was murdered, more than likely. This guy is a piece of shit and I hate him. And in another message from November 19th, Christian types, greetings from racist cracker bastard. How are you? First off, I couldn't have said it better myself. Second off, what? He continues, it's a nice rainy day. Good for digging shallow graves by the roadside. Like what the fuck? You're just a creepster. Ralph Ferrandez, who's Tamala's family lawyer, believes that Christian is referring to Michael Graves, a friend of Tamala's, who's been particularly crucial in this investigation. And if you think I'm just pizzazzing that up, no, you guys, that was word for word what these messages say. Also, I know he has to be embarrassed because right above those text messages were some sexed, yes, that's right, some sexy text messages that I'm sure he wanted nobody to ever see. But also, damn, what a subject change. Can you imagine doing the dirty with somebody and then they're like, oh my god, do you know about this local murder? When Christian was interviewed by the GBI about this, he admitted to sending them, but characterized them as sarcasm and in poor taste, but denies everything else. Yeah, real poor taste, buddy. Tamala's case was officially closed on February 20th, 2019, ruled as an accidental death. Major Joe Perkins of the 4th County Sheriff's Office stated that none of Tamala's injuries aligned with foul play, saying, quote, it was a party. They were drinking. She was drinking. Most of the party goers had gone to bed at that time, and she was on the deck alone. How do you know that, Mr. Judge? You did not interview any of the witnesses afterwards. How do you know that? On June 5th, 2020, Ralph Fernandez wrote a letter to the judge, claiming that his team's investigation into her death clearly shows signs of homicide. He says in quote, witness statements are in conflict. A potential subject handed the body as well as the evidence prior to law enforcement arriving. Evidence was disposed of and no inquiry followed and the scene was not preserved. He also points out that Tamala's injuries were consistent with a physical struggle. But unfortunately, there was no photos taken at the initial autopsy. So there's no way to legally make that conclusion. And after the party, witnesses were not interviewed. This is when Tamala's husband's best friend, Stephen Reynolds, brings up a concern. He wonders if maybe her death was sexually motivated. Reynolds claimed that the two couples present the night that Tamala died were swingers. And he told GBI that his first thought was that Tamala died after somebody tried to initiate something sexually. And when she rebuttaled, there was an argument. But because this didn't appear to come up anywhere else in the investigation, including in interviews with the two couples that he inflicted, nothing was done about it. But if we're going back to the 911 call and the woman in the background talking about the man touching her butt, it would make a lot of sense. If Tamala had showed up to a party, unbeknownst to herself that it was a swingers party, and maybe she pushed back from the sexual advances and something went wrong. But unfortunately, with a closed case, we might never know. Currently, there is a petition on change.org that I'll be linking in the description calling for the case to be reopened 
Currently, this petition has over 700,000 signatures. Rappers T.I. and 50 Cent also posted on their social media about this case to spread Tamala's story farther. So on June 12th, 2020, the county sheriff, Ron Freeman, sent a letter requesting that the case be reopened and investigated by the GBI. On July 28th, 2021, the GBI concluded their reinvestigation, ultimately deciding not to pursue criminal charges, still deeming her an accidental death. Even though, you know, none of her injuries match up or anything like that. And there was a whole house of people that didn't hear anything happen, didn't hear her fall off the balcony, nothing. Truly, this case has shook me to my core since it happened, and I couldn't think of a better first episode. So let me know your thoughts. Do you think it really was an accident, or do you think that the partygoers are trying to cover something up? If you enjoyed listening to this episode, make sure that you subscribe and hit the notifications so you know when I post new episodes every Monday and Thursday. My name is Audie, and this has been Audie's Oddities. Thank you.